here's a message from Ken Lavica. Two different dudes, two different sports, two different locker rooms, but two guys who are in a heap of trouble for different reasons. Christian Cat hit the open. On your mark. Get set. Go! You are listening to Ken Lavica Live. What? Did we just become best friends? Yep. You want to go do karate in the garage? Yep. Turn it up. Turn it up! Now, live from the Anajar and Levine Accident Attorney Studios, it's Ken Lavica Live on ESPN 1063. Broncos country, let's. Oh, God, that was a death march. Last night on Amazon Prime. I haven't wasted more time on that app since the last time I tried to get my sister a birthday gift that she ended up hating. And I got it next day delivery, too. And then we're punching teammates in San Francisco, like full fledged KOing teammates. What is going on? Ken Levick alive on a Friday here on ESPN 106.3, the free ESPN app and on your smart speaker. And a John Levine Action and Attorney Studios, downtown West Palm Beach, Phillips Point Towers, right off of the increasingly comfortable and beautiful Intracoastal. It is Friday, and he is here. He missed Tuesday. He is making up for it on a Friday from WPTV News Channel 5, WFLX Fox 29. He is the face of sports in Palm Beach County and the Treasure Coast. Theo Dorsey making his triumphant return before we get into the work week. Have you recovered from what you witnessed last night in that field goal fest? I'm not quite certain I have. Um, I'm still waiting on the Broncos to score a touchdown because they did pay their quarterback a lot of money, but we have time, right? Like, <laughs> we do have time. There's no way the game's over. No, no, no. no. It's, just, it's just going to – what I imagine is if you believe in that sort of thing, an afterlife, yeah. and you pass, and uh, – Forget Dante's seven circles of hell. What's going to happen is you're going to pass, and if you don't go towards a white light, if you start heading down, again, if you believe in this sort of thing, you're going to be um, poked with um, with a, a, a hot uh, dagger. Trident, maybe? A trident, yes. Yeah. We'll go with a trident. Uh, and instead of entering the seven circles of hell, it's just going to be footage of Russell Wilson that you have to watch in perpetuity uh, the final seven minutes of the game. Don't on. forget Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan uh, also is sure. culpable to putting sure. people up. I mean, he also didn't score a touchdown. That's a good point. He played part He did win the game, so he he's getting a little bit of a pass for did also he? being equally as horrendous. Yeah. <laughs> did Matt Ryan win the game, or was he just out there on the other team <laughs> who happened to end with more uh, points? That's like, true. He he was a participant <laughs> in a game that his team happened to win. Yeah. There, he, that's, he won the game just as much as like the third-string center did yeah, for the Colts. That is a more appropriate way to put it. By the way, the silent assassin Christian Cat running this catastrophe until 2 o'clock here on ESPN 106.3. Um, the best way to describe last night's 12-9 overtime uh, win. That's right. We went to overtime last night on overtime, uh, on Amazon Prime. But the best way to sum up the Colts beating the Broncos was this exchange early in the fourth quarter, or in the third quarter, I should say, between Al Michaels and Kirk Herbstreet on Amazon Prime. You know, I'm only half kidding, but sometimes a game can be, at least at this point, so bad, it's almost good. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) 
No. I'm not feeling that. Just no, no. over here. No, the, the game is like sort of bad. It's, yeah. not, it's, not, it's not good. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe the game will break out here. Second down and 10. Kirk Herbstory was having none of that. And what's funny after that exchange is you had a pass play for a loss of five, <laughs> right? And the play-by-play he was going into, followed by Matt Ryan throwing an interception. Oh, man. So it was just crap <laughs> on top of crap on top of crap. I mean, absolute insanity. I'm trying to think of who actually enjoyed this game. And, and I'm trying – it's specific people. So if you bet the under – you were loving it. You were loving every second of this game. Oh, you're just bathing in it. Um, fantasy football managers that have the Colts or the Broncos defenses started. Yeah. Or maybe you're going up against the guy who started Matt Ryan or Russell Wilson. Like, maybe these are the people that were actually enjoying it. But outside of those specific interactions, I just can't see anybody taking any kind of joy out of that. Even Colts fans who won the game. The target, though, of everybody's scoring today <laughs> is the man who wears number three in a Broncos uniform. The man married to the pop star, the man who drives a tank for a truck, the man who said, I want to change the scenery. I don't want to be in Seattle anymore. The golden boy himself, he cares a lot. He is Russell Wilson. Let me just give you a quick summation through just over one month of the season for the numbers that Russ is putting up. He is 18th in the NFL in passing yards per game. Mm. He is 22nd in the NFL in QBR. He is 20th in the NFL in QB rating. He has thrown four touchdowns to three interceptions. He threw two interceptions last night and rocked it 21 of 39, 274, two picks, sacked four times, QBR 15-9, quarterback rating 54-9. And the biggest number of them all, I listed all of those mediocre to below average to bad numbers. He just signed a five-year, $245 million contract with $124 million guaranteed that in the year of our Lord, 2028, is going to be a $54.8 million hit to the Denver Broncos salary cap. Let's ride. (laughs) I mean, listen to this, Theo, last night. This was, I don't even know how to properly put this into perspective Russell Wilson, in the midst of the worst stretch of his career, where the nation, no, the world, is making fun of him endlessly, whether it is his TikToks, whether it's his love of flying, whether he cares a lot, whether it is his weird um, internal ad-libbed subway commercials. Mm. Russell Wilson, at the end of his press conference, he still rolled with his catchphrase. But listen to how sad and pathetic this is from Russell Wilson. This, after his team lost 12-9 to in an overtime game to the lowly Indianapolis Colts, the five-year $245 million man. Here's Russell Wilson with his press conference dismount. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. Broncos country. That's right. One more time, because if you listen closely, you see that he's hesitating. He gives the Broncos country, and he's like, oh, is this a good spot to do this? Uh, And he walks off the podium and then sort of looks back to the microphone and goes, let's ride. (laughs) It's literally, Broncos country, let's ride. (laughs) Let's hear it one more time, Russell Wilson. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. Broncos country, let's ride. 
<laughs> it sounds so Broncos country. Let's ride. It's almost you know I was uh, playing this for for Ashley, my fiance, this morning, and she was like, "Wait, did somebody else say let's ride?" I said, "No, that was Russell." Oh, yeah, does he have a standing? <laughs> does he have a standing because he's so embarrassed to say it? This man has no shame. Oh, to man. still give off the catchphrase after that last night, uh, after he, he all he had to do, and I don't know if this is Nathaniel Hackett. I don't know if it's Russ, but I do know that Russ did not have to force a football into the back of the end zone with 245 uh, left when you're already up 9-6. to six. All you have to do is kick a field goal because we know the, can't, uh, the Colts ain't fine in the end zone. Yeah, that's a two-possession game if the, you kick a field right. goal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're up 6 nearing the two-minute warning. Yeah. They ain't fine in the end zone. Yeah. You're exactly right. It's a two-possession game, and so what does he try to do? Russ is trying to get his glory. Russ is trying to get his glory, and he gets picked off in the end zone against a DB that he shouldn't be messing with. Why is he messing with Stephon Gilmore? I don't know why he's doing that because then he messed with Stephon Gilmore again in overtime and it didn't go well. Russ is down bad right now. And I think that the 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 biggest, the biggest indicator of how bad down he is right now is KJ Hamler who in overtime, who is wide open on a slant route, and Russ never sees him. Instead, he tries to force it to Jerry Judy. And again, Stephon Gilmore's right there, bats it down, game over. They went for it on a fourth and one instead of kicking a field goal to extend overtime. K.J. Hamler was so wide open, he takes off his helmet, and the last view you see on Amazon Prime of a Broncos player is him smashing his helmet into the turf, over and over and over and over again. Not only that, though, in the post game, a little bit of a slight shot at Russell Wilson saying, quote, I could have walked into the end Ooh. zone. I think Russ uh. has some problems in that locker room, no? Like, that seems to be a bit of an indication with those numbers, his stats, and his money, and that reaction from KJ Hamler. Like, there's a little bit of an issue right now in that locker room with Russ, no? Guarantee you the Broncos players, his teammates, even some of the guys on the coaching staff, if not Nathaniel Hackett himself, are like absolutely miserable dealing with Russell Wilson. Because it's one thing to put up with all of that corniness and the antics and the fun stuff that he does on social media. And I'm sure it's even worse behind closed doors that they have to deal with within the locker room. Mm -hmm. Like him on the sidelines telling the defensive guys that are on the bench to yell out run or pass. Well, I was thinking about that last night. There's no way he's doing that anymore. Nobody can listen to him. Hey, boys, come on. Talk it up. Tell the defense run or pass. Run or pass. Come on. Say it loud. There's no way he's doing that now. They're like, shut up. Yeah. uh, Imagine. Because he's playing to the skill level of Baker Mayfield right now. (laughs) <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. he's playing to that level, but he's being more annoying than even Baker Mayfield himself. Like, I just can't see anybody there being any sort of happy. And the saddest part about all of this is they're only 2-3. and three. Like, the season's not over. No, but it feels terrible. Oh, it feels like they're 0-5. Even their wins felt like losses this their year. Their wins feel like slogs. Yeah. Like, they beat who? The Texans and they got some... They, Somehow got another one. I can't remember who who was it that they that they beat again. I can't even remember. I can't even remember who it was. It's been so bad. It's been so unremarkable what they've done. And it all started with the sixty-four yard field goal attempt. And Nathaniel Hackett says we were playing for the sixty-four yard field goal attempt. Uh. And it's just bad, bad, bad stuff. I mean, horrific football 
from uh, this oh, it was the 49ers. Team. Oh, and they, it they was that 11 10 win over the yeah. Niners after their 16 9 win over the Texans. Right. And was that the Niners game that Trey Lance went out in? Or was that the game Trey Lance played and played terribly? I can't remember. I think that's the game that Trey Lance went out in, no? Yep, you're that right. That was week yep, two. Yep, Jimmy Garoppolo had was yeah. 18 for 29. Yeah, so, so they're still trying the to find their footing. So they've won 11-10 and 16-9, and then they lost an overtime game 12-9. And again, Russell Wilson threw all of that oh. 18th in the league in passing yards per game, 22nd in QBR, 20th in quarterback rating. He has four touchdowns to three interceptions, Theo. This is Russell Wilson, who just signed a $124 million guaranteed contract. Oof. And he's still giving his catchphrase after the post-game press conference. Let's ride. <laughs> I mean. it. You know things are bad when, and again, I was trying to explain the veracity of this, of this situation to my fiance Ashley, this morning as I was taking her to her, her, her ankle, doctor's appointment. That's what, exactly. We, we went to the doctor's appointment, and her ankle's doing better. She's Go. not going to need surgery. Oh, so good. She won't need surgery. We're Ashley, just gonna have let's her in ride. Boot. Let's ride. Yeah. So she'll be riding on that scooter knee-up thing for a while here, but she won't need surgery. That's good. What's bad is, as I explained to her how bad the situation is between Russell Wilson and the Broncos, she was like, well, can they just fire him? I said, well, there's 124 mm-hmm. million reasons why you can't fire him. they can't fire him right yeah. now. And it's going to be a couple years at least until they can really cut him without having major, major setbacks as a franchise. Nathaniel Hackett versus Russell Wilson in a race to the bottom. Oh, it but they're is stuck a with Russ. Fascinating. They are stuck with Russ. Nathaniel Hackett, they could say, pack your bags. It just didn't work out. Yeah. Russ? Seven years. You got him. You got him. You, you, you signed him oh. to the extension, and he is eating salary cap. He is eating. He is cooking up. The only thing he's cooking <laughs> is your salary cap here That's, moving forward. I mean, if he – the problem right now for the Broncos, beyond an, an inept coaching staff, because, again, you can fix that, is, like, you are married to Russell Wilson, and there's no way out. Yeah, there's really no way no, out of this. You're relationship. in a toxic marriage, yes, because your 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 spouse is so corny. Oh, total has gone total dad mode, yeah. and you can't get out of it. You are stuck. You are. It's like you you are. So the Broncos, like they are the leggy, high heeled, just hot yes. in their prime, can go anywhere, turn heads. You are absolutely dashing. You are striking, and then your husband. Walks up and he's like, "Hey, you try these hors d'oeuvres? <laughs> they, uh, you, you never, I never thought they'd put hot dogs inside of a croissant. Yeah, pigs in a blanket. Who knew?" And you're like, "I'm stuck with this for seven more years. This is miserable." And you know, there's nothing you can do. Like, no, there, it's not like they can draft a quarterback and start no. him over the guy that you're paying fifty million a year. No, not at all. And so you have to try and continue to build around them. But you had the pre-built franchise. This. This was a team that was supposed to be a quarterback away. Yeah. They leveraged it all to go get him. They even made a trade, then gave him the contract. And now their only way out of this is for Russ to be better. Right. That's their only way out. The only way out. The defense That's is fine. Gary. I mean, Christian, could we, could we real quick? Let's hear week one. This is confident Russ. Oh, no. This is Russ on the sideline. This is Russ coming back home to Seattle where he's still the man in that Broncos locker room and he's trying to help the defense. He's trying to, to, to make sure his offense is engaged in being the true, mm. tried and true leader of the Denver Broncos. Let's listen to Russell Wilson. Hey, sideline, run a pass. <laughs> hey, you got to let him know. Come on, commit to it. You got to let him know. Run a pass. Let's go. Got to let him know. Run a pass. Run a pass. Let him know. 9-6. Let him know. Run a pass. Let him know. Run a pass. Nice and loud. Pass. 
And then there's Russell Wilson of last night after his team loses in overtime, 12 to 9, and he's wondering, should I give my catchphrase? Should I leave my catchphrase in the bag? Is this the right time to use the catchphrase? And this is what Russell Wilson came up with at the end of his press conference. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. Broncos country. That's right. Never not going to be funny. Boy, a tale of two different Russes right there. Runner pass. Come on, let him know. Runner pass. Broncos country. Let's ride. It's a mess. It is a mess. I feel, I'm trying to feel bad for him, but I know everything else in his life is so great right now. He's still getting the money. He's still married to Sierra. And he still is super rich and famous and having a good time, I'm sure, outside of football. But the football looks terrible. Real, um, real talk right now. How much of that game did you did you watch last night? I watched start to finish, except for about ten minutes of the fourth. Did you listen quarter. to it though? You were in the car when right? I was in the car. Yep, I listened to it. So I didn't watch it. And so I Theo, absorbed all of that game. Theo caught every second of that game yeah. in some capacity. Not a moment I'd missed. So for real, this is this is absolutely what happened. I fell asleep at halftime, woke up, and I'm like, God, they're in overtime. Uh, How is that possible? And I feel great about it. <laughs> I feel great about it. Uh, joining us here on Ken Levick Alive uh, for a couple of minutes is the athletic director at Florida Atlantic. Joins us each week here on ESPN 106.3, Brian White with us. Uh, Brian, how much of last night's game did you watch uh, between the Broncos and the Colts? Did you subject yourself to oral four quarters and overtime? I, I, I did not. I did not. And it, and it sounds like I didn't miss uh... – a great experience. No, you missed the absolute right decision. <laughs> Absolutely. You guys are not Russell Wilson fans. No. <laughs> well, let me – so so when it comes to leadership, I think this is a good discussion. You were the leader of a lot of people at FAU in that athletics department, and Russ has come in, and he seems a bit disingenuine. It seems like he's losing the locker room a little bit. You, when when you're trying to get staff together and you're all pushing towards a common purpose, what, what are a couple of tips that you would convey to Russell Wilson to help him get that locker room back? How do you handle your leadership role in making sure everybody is on the same page and communicating? You know, I, I, it's hard. I, I can't imagine not have any tips for, for Russell Wilson in, in his <laughs> locker room. <laughs> in our world, you know, you use the word genuine. Uh, I think that's key. Uh, genuine communication. Um, I'm sure that 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 resonates at all levels. I wonder, Brian. This is Theo here. Do you have you heard at least? I mean, because we know it happens on the high school sidelines. We've never seen it happen on the professional football sidelines at FAU at all. Is there a yell out of run pass from the? Uh, offensive players when they're on the bench helping their defense out um, play-by-play? Or are they, you know, is that anything that you've seen happen on the collegiate level at least? Absolutely. No, no, you definitely hear uh, it. Our, our sidelines always trying to help the, the guys in the field as much as they can. I spend uh, usually about a quarter of the game or less at home because we have so many people here to, to visit with during the games. But on the away games, I spend most of the game on the sideline uh, with the team, and it's uh, it's it's great the energy the enthusiasm that's huge you know I, I think it's and it's all sports it's not just football all sports the energy and the enthusiasm coming from the sideline I think affects the the play of the team well we were wrong Russ Russ was on to something trust there. me when I tell you Nikosi Perry has never caused one of his receivers to <laughs> repeatedly slam his helmet into the turf yeah uh, after not seeing him during the course of a play FAU athletic director Brian White with us here on Ken Levickali Brian I did want to ask you um, FAU football on a bye week homecoming Rice coming up next Saturday it has been three straight losses for for FAU what have your impressions been of the uh, the stretch of play for uh, for FAU football here over the last couple of weeks 
You know, I I think we're um, we're playing with great energy and great effort, and uh, I, I think everybody in the program, coaches and and student athletes alike, would say, you know, we got to play better, um, and we want to see the results uh, on the scoreboard. You know, just um, you know, Coach Taggart has has spoken um, consistently about you know avoiding turnovers and mistakes and you know lack of you know execution at times and, and different things where where we can be better. Um, and uh, for us, you know, uh, everybody in, involved with the program, all, all of our players, you know, we want to have more fun to win games. So, you know, I think heading into the bye week at the perfect time, and uh, we got a big one at home. You know, Rice looks to be a really good opponent, so a big one at home coming up uh, for homecoming. FAU 1-1 one one in Conference USA play a win on Saturday, puts them right back in the driver's seat in the East Division. That's next Saturday, FAU on the bye week this weekend. But homecoming October 15th, FAU hosting Rice. For tickets, 866-FAU-ALS, FAUtickets.com. That's 866-FAU-ALS and FAUtickets.com. Now, you were in uh, in Dallas this week, right? You had some meetings, and it's a busy time for you because you're in the middle of an athletic season. The move to the American Athletic Conference is coming in just a couple of months. But uh, what's your week been like? Uh, you know, busy as ever. You know, the, the, the fall is our busiest time of year, but but nowadays, you know, it's 24-7 year-round. Um and uh, you know, this past week I was I went straight from Dallas actually to Nashville for some national athletic director meetings and learned a lot there. And and you know, for us, every school in the country is trying to you know accomplish the same things uh, just in different ways on their campuses. So it's great to to go to those uh, conventions and and learn what you can from from other schools and and uh, and, and other administrators and other athletic directors. So that was a great experience. Uh, but we got uh, you know. Full scale winter sports coming up, uh, and 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 fall sports and 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 full play. So there's a a, a lot going on as always, and and uh, a, lot, a lot of success I think, and uh, throughout the throughout all of our sports. You know, five years ago, a decade ago, for an athletic director, it's hey, uh, facilities and donors and overseeing the sports and all of the traditional duties of an athletic director, but now with NIL in play, how much time do you discuss at meetings like these now when your fellow athletic directors, the subject of NIL? Because I have to imagine that it has definitely pushed its way into regular conversation on a pretty regular basis. It's huge. Those are the themes, you know, the, yeah. the, the fundamental. The, the way the business has always been, we all kind of understand what that is. But it's the themes of what can we do within the rules with regard to name, image, likeness to support our student athletes. What are the best practices? It's all so very new. And every you know, there's different laws in different states, and there's different un- interpretations of laws at different institutions. So just sharing best practices and learning what we can do to, to best support our student athletes because you combine that with you know the. Uh, the transfer portal, and you combine that with every all the other changes going on in college athletics right now, and there's a lot of newness. And so the the more up to speed we can be, um, the better it'll be for uh, for the success of our programs and and our student athletes. One thing I wanted to touch on before we let you uh, get on with your Friday, Brian. Again, Brian White, FAU Athletic Director here on Ken Levicka Live. I'm Ken Levicka. That's Theo Dorsey. Uh, I met Jordan Clark, new FAU softball coach, for the first time uh, earlier this week, and her and the entire team 
just took the initiative on their own volition. Nobody uh, said, hey, this would be good for a photo op. This would be good for some positive headlines. They just said, hey, we're going to buy up a ton of water, a ton of supplies, and we are going to drive to the Fort Myers area, and we are going to help clean up. We are going to be there for families who have lost everything because of Hurricane Ian. That has to make you extremely proud, and what a gesture from that program. It does. We have a great group of student-athletes and coaches in our softball program. Uh, you know, I've, I've just really enjoyed uh, getting to know all of our student-athletes in that program and, um, and and the coaching staff. And, you know, I mean, it does. That's, that's what this is all about. You know, we have a great group um, uh, among many of our, our sport programs. You know, I, I think our, our staff, our facility staff, looks forward to their bye week all year long. And uh, they immediately jumped at the opportunity to host South Florida you know, it's it's so tragic what happened on the West Coast, and small things we can do are are, are minuscule compared to you know the, the tragedy. Uh, but but I love that the our our team you know throughout wants to do everything we can to to help support our uh, our brethren over there. So Florida Atlantic football again on a bye week hosting Rice next Saturday homecoming at FAU Stadium eight six six FAU Owls FAU Tickets dot com the boss at FAU the athletic director Brian White thank you sir appreciate you we'll talk to you next week okay sounds great Ken thanks for having me all right wow. that is FAU athletic director Brian White here on ESPN one zero six three yeah I promise you I promise you I've never seen an FAU receiver just take off his helmet and start smashing into the ground like yeah. we saw last night. That's what Russell Wilson has driven that Broncos locker room to do. It is. It, it's incredible, and he was wide open wide on that open. one. And it just it looked like that was supposed to be. And even Stone just texted us some tweets that tell us that as a quarterback, that was the read he was supposed to make was look at Hamler. and Think about how like Russell Wilson is a veteran upon veteran, big money uh, quarterback. Super Bowl winning Super quarterback. Super Bowl champion. Should have been two-time Super Bowl champion. Yikes. And... This is what we're getting from him. The fall has been precipitous for him. It has been, this is unheard of what we're seeing where a guy as respected as Russell Wilson goes to a new location and just falls off the face of the planet. It is wild. Yeah. So there's Russ. But there's also, and let's go back to yesterday. Let's go back to Steph Curry. He and Steve Kerr and Bob Myers, the GM of the Golden State Warriors, all spoke to the media yesterday and all responded to questions about the news that Draymond Green had punched teammate Jordan Poole in practice and that Draymond Green was likely going to face punishment from the team. This is what Steph Curry had to say about a report from Shams initially that Jordan Poole he his attitude had changed because he has a big contract coming his way. <laughs> I wonder who told. Uh-huh, Jim yeah, that. I wonder whose side may have faced <laughs> that, uh, passed that along. But this was Steph Curry debunking some rumors and also taking Draymond Green to task, but also I thought showing some good teammate support. Here's Steph Curry. Steve talked about kind of he, his belief Jordan's been good attitude wise uh, during camp. I just kind of wanted to get your yeah, that, whatever that. There's a specific tweet that was put out yesterday about insinuating that JP's attitude or something has changed since he's been in this uh, training camp or even, you know, whatever time window they're talking about. It's absolute BS. Andre addressed it yesterday with his tweet. uh, You kind of leave it at that. JP's been great. There's nothing that warranted the situation yesterday. Um, 
make that clear, but it's also something that we feel like will not derail our our season and what we're trying to build, and that's with Draymond, and, you know, as a part of that. So the rest of it, part when speculation becomes opinion, and turns into borderline fact of like what actually happened. So. Uh, I hate that that became kind of part of the narrative, which it's not fair to JP. So Steph Curry saying, now what happened with Jordan Poole, his attitude's been great. Nothing warranted what Draymond Green was alleged to have done to Jordan Poole, but the Warriors have a goal and they plan on Draymond being a part of it. This was before, for the first time, someone from the Warriors or Mm. someone at least in the Warriors stratosphere leaked, and I'm sure for big money, to TMZ actual footage of what happened between Draymond Green and Jordan Poole. And the best I can describe it is that Jordan Poole thought he knew Draymond Green. It's clear he doesn't know, know Draymond Green because they were jawing at one another in practice. Jordan Poole's behind the baseline. Draymond Green is on the sideline near the corner. Draymond Green walks onto the court comes back behind the baseline, gets in Jordan Poole's face. Jordan Poole shoves him. What does Draymond do when nobody comes to break him up? Not even a straight right, but a Superman punch. Yeah, he pulled back I mean, back up in the it. air and full-fledged Superman punch, and I mean catches him. It looked like, and I don't know this for a fact, but it looked like Jordan Poole got knocked the bleep out. Mm. Just crumpled to the floor. And then people came in and started to break it up. But what it looked to me is Jordan Poole was saying something. Draymond was responding. Draymond's not someone typically you want to do something like that with because Draymond seems a little bit, oh, I don't know, volatile in almost every single situation. Jordan Poole decided, hey, get out of my face. Shoved him. Thought someone was going to come in and break it up. It didn't happen. And the next thing he knew, he had a right fist right in his jaw. Yeah, It's a violent-looking punch. And the Warriors aren't happy. And this is not the first time that Draymond Green has put the Warriors in a real tough spot. Especially now that the video is out, they have to punish him. Yeah. Because the optics are terrible on this because, again, it is violent. I mean, violent, violent from Draymond Green to Jordan Poole. It was a street fight punch. It was a punch that you don't do to a brother, a teammate, a friend. It was a punch you do to a stranger at a bar who has disrespected you in a way that you can't come back from. So I think that needs to be particularly addressed like you don't punt like that's supposed to be your guy y'all just won a championship together and with him with his hands down not up hands down I know he pushed him he pushed him and had his hands, had his down. hands down which by like his waist. fighting and I'm not a big fighter but fighter 101 yeah. that's not a great great move that's not it's not so you shouldn't do that but Jordan Poole is like we're still brothers we're still teammates in this nope. instance apparently so, not so Draymond Green for him to cross that line means that obviously it was something built up beyond whatever that back and forth that practice was. But beyond that, for Jordan Poole, it's like that re- relationship with him and Draymond Green, how do you even repair it? Yeah. How do you repair it, especially this close to the season, I knowing got- that, yo, you didn't even like – because it's also Jordan Poole. It's not like Draymond did this to, like, Jonathan Kaminga or somebody else yeah. that was bigger yeah. – stronger, more his size. He did it to a guy that he didn't have to punch and knock no. out. He could have just grabbed him up and it would have been over with. And a guy who's pivotal to what the Warriors are trying to do. Yeah. I mean. <laughs> See, that's the tough part, too. Yeah. This is where it gets tricky. Draymond, though, 
It gets easy to just say, oh, the Warriors can't coexist. they got to get rid of Draymond. And he is certainly a repeat offender of hurting that franchise, either via words, criticizing Steve Kerr and Bob Myers out of nowhere on his podcast, or uh, kicking people in the junk, uh, which led the Cavaliers largely to having the door open for him to beat the Warriors in the finals, Uh, the dressing down of Kevin Durant in front of everybody on the floor. Like Draymond can't get out of his own way. But the fact of the matter is, he is a pillar of the championship era of that Warriors team. You can make the argument, no matter how you feel about his game, that Draymond Green and the edge he gives that team has been the difference in a multitude of playoff series that have helped put the Warriors over the top. It matters. So now, he though has, I don't want to say assaulted, because this was not a sucker punch. Make no mistake, this was not a sucker punch. Jordan Poole wasn't expecting it, but it's not like he came from behind and hit him. This is not a sucker punch, but he has potentially injured and I guess by definition maybe assaulted a teammate. How do you come back from that in that locker room right now? Like it's tough because Jordan Poole now is, I would argue, maybe more important than Draymond Green in the grand scheme of things. To the future of, of the franchise. To the yeah. future of the franchise, undoubtedly. And you wonder if there's a scenario where the Warriors say, we're just going to have to start life without Draymond. He's going to need to work hard to gain equity back in that locker room after that. I'm just curious. Draymond Green punching out a teammate. Because that's what it looked like. He punched him out. Looked like there was lost consciousness. There was crumpling to the floor right there. I don't know that for a fact. Either way, it was a hard, heavy Superman punch shot. Draymond Green punching a teammate. Potentially injuring a teammate. In a practice. And this is a Draymond who's not a first-time offender. uh, Being a pest. For the organization he works for. Or Russ, who came in on his, no pun intended, stallion into Denver and was supposed to make all the difference and breathe life into an offense, which you could argue is the reason the Broncos haven't been a playoff team and has been actually worse than what the Broncos had previously. Teddy Bridgewater, Drew Locke, they had better numbers to this point last year than Russell Wilson has right now, and all the while doing it while being one of the corniest people on the planet. So much so that his receivers are slamming helmets into the turf on national television. Russ is making poor decisions, and the Broncos are the most boring team, the most befuddling team in the NFL. Who has the most work to do to win back their locker room? Who has the most work to do right now to win back the trust of their locker room? Russell Wilson or Draymond Green? And honestly, because he hasn't proven anything in Denver, and I know he hasn't punched a teammate, but he hasn't proven anything in Denver, I think it's Russ. Because Russ was supposed to come in and make a difference right away. The Warriors know who Draymond is. They know what Draymond is. They don't know if they can live with Draymond any longer, but they know what he is. Nobody's overly surprised by this. I think that the Warriors would welcome Draymond back quicker than what I think is starting to happen and corrode in the Broncos' locker room. Because Russ, he has no connection to Denver. He hasn't done anything. And the more he plays terribly, and the more he's the reason for the issues, he's making Baker Mayfield-type mistakes. Like, how do you win the locker room back? Who has the most work to do to win back the trust of their locker room? Russell Wilson or Draymond Green? 888-760-3776. 760-3776. Tweeted us at KLV1063. That's 888-760-3776. Also, did you watch the entire game last night? Theo did. 
Theo is as tough as they come. Mm. Tough as nails. He caught that entire game last night. I'm brave. He is brave. He's got that dog in him. He watched that entire game. Me, I was asleep at halftime, woke up in overtime, and couldn't believe the game was in overtime. (laughs) And when I woke up, I looked at the screen and did the math. I saw the score. I'm like, wait a minute. All they've done is kick field goals, and they're on overtime. Mm. My God, it's as bad as I thought it was going to be. So... Who has the most work to do to win back the trust of their locker room? Russell Wilson or Draymond Green? And how much of last night's game, and be honest, did you catch? It's a no-judgment zone. I'm curious. I'm doing a social experiment. 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. Tweeted us at KLV1063. That's Theo Dorsey, WPTV News Channel 5, WFLX Fox 29. I'm Ken Levick. I'm live on ESPN 106.3. From the Anajar and Levine Studios in downtown West Palm Beach, you are listening to Ken Levick Live on ESPN 106.3. Russell Wilson marching into that Broncos locker room, being the dude, and then being one of the biggest reasons the Broncos are the most uninspiring two and three in NFL history. Mm. What were their wins against? 16 to 9 and 11 to 10? Yeah. Against bad teams. Against a, a 49ers team that lost their starting quarterback and had to get Jimmy G back into the mix in week two. And then uh, against the Houston Texans. Against the Texans. Who? Opted 16-9. Yeah. Opted for a tie the week before right. against the sorry-ass right. Colts. Right, exactly. So, their two wins, and then they all, then they lose to the Colts. Like, they, they've had the easiest schedule, maybe, of all In a field teams. goal game. They lose in a field goal game to the Colts. They they lose to the Colts, who are maybe on the, in the cellar of the NFL, but they also had a week one loss to the Seahawks. Yeah. Who, again, are in the cellar of the NFL. In a game where Nathaniel Hackett decided he was going to play for oh. a... 64-yard field goal because, as he said, ah, oh, we did what we needed to do. No, 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 you didn't. It's a, And then they lost to the Raiders, and I think that's the Raiders' only win this season. They've had the easiest schedule by far through five games of any team in the NFL, and somehow they're just 2-3, and three, and it also somehow simultaneously feels like they're 0-5. Like, uh, I don't know how this Broncos locker room consumes Russell Wilson right now. He's getting paid all this money. There's all this bravado and attention around him. He brings on all this attention, and he's one of the biggest reasons they're bad. He's they're bad just at football unwatchable. Right they're just completely unwatchable. Then, on the NBA side of things, you have a guy who is a cornerstone of the championship era of an organization who just punched out a teammate. Like violently punched out, like could have absolutely injured and or killed a teammate with the type of punch that he landed on Jordan Poole's jaw. Think about that. These locker rooms, how do you win back the trust? Who has the most work to do to win back the trust of their locker room? Is it Russell Wilson who has teammates slamming helmets into the ground after the game, after he's missing them wide open? Or Draymond Green, who is punching out teammates before a season starts coming off of a championship. Who has the most work to do to win back the trust of their locker room? Russell Wilson or Draymond Green? Hey, are you experiencing foot and ankle pain? Need to see an expert in the field? Baptist Health Orthopedic Care is a team of foot and ankle orthopedic surgeons and specialists who are regarded as leaders in their specialty. Visit baptishealth.net slash ortho to learn more today. 
Baptist Health Orthopedic Care combines its resources of experienced physicians and leading-edge treatments and technology to provide advanced orthopedic, foot and ankle, joint replacement, spine, and sports medicine care. Visit baptisthealth.net slash ortho for more information. Today, Baptist Health Orthopedic Care has offices conveniently located in Palm Beach County through the Florida Keys. Learn more by visiting baptisthealth.net slash ortho. Who has the most work to do to win back the trust of their locker room? Russell Wilson or Draymond Green? We see the punch for the first time leaked to TMZ, and it is violent. Mm. 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. Tweeted us at KLV1063. That's 888-760-3776. I just think Russ, because Russ hasn't proven anything in that locker room, at least the Warriors know, and Draymond's a veteran. Draymond's been there, done that, experienced it all, been a pain in the ass through it all, but he's Draymond. Like They'll get over it because they've dealt with off-the-handle Draymond before, and is it going to be tough because Jordan Poole is a dude in that locker room? Absolutely. This might be the toughest that Draymond's ever had to work to get the trust back in that locker room, but I think Russ, this will be a more difficult journey for him the way things have started in Denver, and especially amongst that fan base. Uh, for you, Theo, who, who has more work to do to get the full embrace of the locker room back at some point. I think this one is actually a lot easier than it seems, and it has to be, to me, Draymond Green. Draymond Green didn't – because with Russell Wilson, it seems easy. What's the path to him gaining the trust back in that Playing locker room? Playing better. Playing better football. He hasn't disrespected anybody. He hasn't crossed any lines. He's just been bad at football while also being corny. I guess in Seattle, you overlook the corniness because he was putting up yeah, numbers. He was doing well on the field. So I think if he gets back to even some semblance of what he was, a competent veteran quarterback, they don't need him to be a superstar. They just need him to be good, above average, and they can start winning some games. They're 2-3 and three right now. Like If he can somehow get the Broncos to the playoffs – then they'll kind of forget about a lot of this, and maybe they get a better coach or play caller next year and they work around it. I mean, they're married, again, for the next five years at least because of that ridiculous contract they signed him to. Draymond Green, I mean, one thing you have to think about is how did this video get leaked out anyways, oh, right? I mean, someone, it's either someone from Jordan Poole's side or it's an intern who's looking for the bag. Right, so like I think something. It's, it's two options here. It's either somebody from the Warriors staff that, was, like you said, looking for the bag. Or, let's not forget, people are talking about Jordan Poole has a contract extension in front of him. Draymond Green also has a contract extension in front of him. Draymond Green, who is 33 years old, or will be 33 years old by the time that extension is negotiated, who also, we saw a lot of signs of him being a shell of himself this past year, though they did win the, win the championship. He got benched in game four of the finals. He got benched in the finals. But then came back and he, he helped. He yeah. assisted. He had a handful of bad games through these playoffs and even through last year. And he had bad stretches through the years where people were wondering if the, if the tires had lost too much tread. So there's that with Draymond Green expecting a contract extension ahead of him, right? If you're the Warriors brass and you're trying to build up I guess reasons why you won't pay him as much or give him as much guaranteed or maybe less years, leaking that out to the media, having that video out there of him punching a younger guy, a guy he's supposed to be mentoring, being a veteran leader to, that's not helping him in negotiations. So I think it's twofold. Draymond doesn't just have to win back the locker room because he punched out his teammate. He now has to win back the GM and the front office because he needs a contract extension. Russell Wilson's good. He's paid. It's, That's tough. It's crazy. Who, I mean, from the court of public opinion, I just wonder who, though, 
It's if, Russ. if you extrapolate it to the court of public opinion, I think it is. And I think it is because like Draymond, we know that the dude is just sort of he can he can get wild, yeah. right? And he's unpredictable and super smart, but his temper, his his emotions get the best of him. And I'm not overly surprised he punched out a teammate. Yeah. But you're right. Common sense tells you maybe his days with the Warriors are numbered. But me as a Heat fan, don't think I haven't thought about, hey, maybe you can trade for him on the cheap now. Yeah. No, for real. Man, how good would he be with Heat culture? And Especially you- Heat culture that didn't overreact to Jimmy Butler and Eric Spolstra almost coming to blows last year because, as Udonis Haslam put her UD punching out Jimmy Butler on the bench. We almost saw that. Yeah. Hey, that's just a normal Tuesday. Which will be – and it's cool – Maybe it'll be more cool with Heat culture, but let's take it back to San Francisco here. Like another thing that the Warriors have in the wings is James Wiseman, a guy you picked number two overall, who's supposed to be coming up and becoming a rotational player for you and maybe a starter in the future. Yeah, you have Jonathan Kaminga, a guy who Draymond Green is supposed to be mentoring to be the next, hopefully Draymond Green. So it's like they already have a couple guys in house that can serve as a replacement going forward. They won't ever be what Draymond Green is. But as players, as athletes, they're already beyond what he's able to give them. And then you have him being 33 years old, looking washed, and needing a contract extension. Like, the writing is on the wall to me for Draymond Green that the Warriors now, he's expendable now. He's a little bit more expendable than he was before. It's just, Draymond Green could go somewhere and serve a purpose, even if he is washed. If Russ is washed, and he looks washed... That's a it's bigger stuck. problem for the Broncos. But the, the the who who wins back the court of public opinion quicker, I think, is Draymond because of things like we heard this morning on Good Morning Football. Kyle Brandt, listen to this. And this almost sounds personal. It was very personal. And I don't think he's necessarily wrong, but Kyle Brandt, I think, put into words how a lot of people feel about Russell Wilson. Let's not... Let's not mince words. Russell Wilson has been a guy who's been nothing but a great representative in the NFL of himself, of the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, he does a ton of charity work. Uh, he has been there for the community. Uh, he didn't appear to be someone who really ruffled any feathers. He's a good role model. He's someone that uh, gives a squeaky clean image. All of these things, but all of that it seems like it might be a facade based on people like Kyle Brandt who give these accounts where for all the things Russell Wilson has done well, it feels like people are cheering for Russell Wilson's demise because he comes off as something that he hasn't put out publicly. And it's very, very fascinating to me because Russ really hasn't had any missteps in his career, yet I legitimately think people dislike to hate him. And here's Kyle Brandt sort of feeding into that from Good Morning Football NFL Network this morning. This is going places really fast. The last play is meaningful, not in just that it was KJ Hamler or not that he missed. It's the reaction afterwards from Hamler. It's spiking the helmets. It's that, I don't know, I don't know when Russell Wilson turned into Mitch Trubisky, but uh, I wish he would turn into Geno Smith so they could win a game. <laughs> okay? Because Geno makes that play 10 times out of 10. And then afterwards, That's not true. you know, they got a fourth and one. They want to go for it. I mean, look at that. 
That is a teammate that is on national television that is at home. Afterwards, it's just perfect. They, they pass when maybe they should have run. I think Russell Wilson is one of the least authentic personalities we have in this league. Oof. I think Russell Wilson is a poser. And that doesn't mean he's a bad person. I actually think he's a good person. I think he tries to be something that he's not. And when you make the $245 million, you either got to be a really great guy with the locker room who loves you, or you got to be an amazing player. Brady, who makes half of what Russell's making, is both. Rodgers, MVP, Patrick Mahomes, both. Allen, people love him. He's amazing. Kyler, we'll find out. Russell Wilson, first of all, the NFL, the Broncos fan base has no history with him. They have no allegiance to him. This is not a Seahawks thing that they drafted him, they grew up with him, he's their guy. None of that. You know, I, got, I work the, the NFL honors. I work the red carpet. Kelsey comes by. Rodgers comes by. Russell Wilson shows up with his sunglasses and his wife, and they, I think they think they're, they're Jay-Z and Beyonce, and they will literally put their hand up and say, no, we're not talking. Why? It, it, because you think you're that cool, and you're that famous, and you're that amazing, and everything is so perfect. That does not work in a locker room unless you are really good or really, really good guy. It just doesn't work. 245 million bucks, that can come unraveled fast. Mm -hmm. And especially when you're missing throws like that and you're putting up nine points in a nationally televised game. Um, look out, this could come off the rails. It could. On the television network that the NFL owns, mm. Kyle Brandt called Russell Wilson a poser. poser and then gave a personal account of when he was ignored by Russell Wilson at an award show. And this is what's so fascinating to me about Russell Wilson. He has given off the squeaky clean image and he's done everything right. He's been there for people. He's represented communities and organizations. But there is something about him that people dislike or despise. It's not just Kyle Brandt. I don't want to single him out, but he's the one who said those things. But I think you, Theo, at times feel something about Russell Wilson, that's not exactly kosher. You are bothered by him immensely. And I'm curious what it is. And I think it's worth diving into because the Russell Wilson struggles go past, oh, he's not getting it done on the field. And I think it's turning into a, this is hilarious that he's not getting it done on the field. Former teammates subtweeting him yeah. from earlier in the season. Richard Sherman. Richard Sherman, who, by the way, was all buddy-buddy with him before the game yesterday and then continuing to take shots I contend, at him. I, I contend against that. People keep trying to tweet out that video of those, like, five seconds. It's even slowed down, so it might have been less than that, of him standing next to Russ. He wasn't looking Russ in the eye. That was obviously Richard Sherman being professional. He does not like Russell Wilson. So here's what I'm curious about. And I think all football fans now, all sports fans have an opinion on Russell Wilson. And yes. a lot of them have boiled to the top because of the struggles he's had. How do you feel about Russell Wilson? And why do you feel the way you do about Russell Wilson? He is divisive. He's like Tua divisive right now. And at least Tua balling before he got hurt. Yeah. How do you feel about Russell Wilson, and why do you feel that way about Russell Wilson? And I want to explore Theo's brain, too, when we come back. 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. How do you feel about Russell Wilson, and why do you feel that way about Russ? 888-760-3776. He's Theo Dorsey, WPTV News Channel 5, WFLX Fox 29. I'm Ken Levick. I'm live on ESPN 106.3.